Hi, this is Cedric Bailey, moderator for the town hall meeting that was held on Thursday from the American National Bank. It's the ministers that came together from various churches throughout Ardmore and, of course, Gene Autry, Oklahoma, that all came together for a panel. There were 11 ministers, youth ministers that came, along with 75 individuals or more that had a chance to meet us at the American National Bank. So we're going to let you uh, hear some of the comments, and we'll get started. Here's the youth pastor of the Mount Zion Baptist Church, Reverend Leroy Williams. Where the officers were harassing another inmate, the Caucasian officers, saying all these derogatory things towards them. And when the inmate reacted, they want to beat up on them and throw them in the hole. A lot of times we have to look at the criminal justice when somebody come out of prison. We cannot judge them by the acts that they did. We got to at least give them a chance to understand that, yes, they made a mistake. That's what the prison system for, to reform them to come back into the community. But we don't have that, they don't have that, that, that um, opportunity to do things towards coming back because they have that, that status of you're a felon, you're, you're, you're a criminal. <clears throat> and that's some of the things where within the, you know, the communities where we look at that word criminal and that word thug or different things, how we look at people, their appearances, and that word what falls short in our communities. But understanding that when people come out of prison, they can change. And I have seen it. I have a friend who, who got out of prison and he started his own construction company. He, does, he, he hired inmates, people who were inmates at one time, and give them jobs. I have a, a godfather in Georgia who did, who did the same thing during the Olympics, during the 2000 Olympics in Atlanta. He hired people who have felons and everything to give him a chance because he got a 20, $20 million grant to fix all the houses in Atlanta. And that's one thing that I was proud of him to see. But we cannot worry about how people that got dreads in their hair or the appearances. And that's what we go by appearance until, and I went through the same thing before, said something to somebody, said, well, you speak intelligently. You know, and, and, and it hurts. You're like, well, do I look like I'm not intelligent? And that's some of the things that we cannot judge people by how they look or they appear. You never know. A person can drive a raggedy car and, you know, you think they, they don't have no money. And you think that, that you know, they don't have them, but you can go to their house and, and once you get to know them, you see they might have a beamer inside of their yard. But we go by, we look at certain things, the appearance of people, and we look at the things that people have done in the past. With healthcare too as well, we have, you know, it seems like it's two separate things. I dealt with it at, with the VA before. I'm a veteran, I dealt with it. You know, nothing wrong with you, just lose some weight. You know, quit eating fried chicken and stuff like that. I was told that. Mm. And, I, and I was ticked off by the doctor. I said, well, don't worry about it. I have a report for you. So, but that's, that's all I have to say on that, man. Thank you so much. Here's our last question, and we're going to open it up uh, to the audience after. This is for the clergy leaders, and the question is, do you think clergy leaders have a role in racial reform? If so, what role should our church leaders be playing in this community? We have to be brave and, and preach the word of God, uh, and that includes justice, bringing justice to all. Sometimes that may mean helping people understand there are a large number of people of color who don't enjoy the justice that we do, um, and I think it takes not only brave sermons, but... Uh, 
conversations behind the scenes when you've got people who are upset. Uh, but I can't change anyone's mind. I think the Holy Spirit has to do that. If I'm faithful in preaching the Word of God and have those conversations, speak out, uh, I'm trusting for God uh, to change the heart of Jesus' followers who say this is not a problem. Thank you so much. Uh, anyone else want to comment before we open to the audience? Pastor Russian? Is it everybody who wants to say Go ahead. Uh, I'll pass it to him. I'm, I'm sorry, I've been waiting for this question all night. Uh, because, because as clergy, we should be looking at what would Christ want us to do? What did Christ do and what, what would Christ want us to do? Uh, if, if we're gonna, if we're gonna be the church, we gotta be the church. And, uh, Reinhold Lieber, uh, has a quote, uh, say, action springs not from thought, but from a readiness of responsibility. And I believe we have to have that readiness. And I think we've been lazy with our readiness. And I'm, I'm going to give it up. Well, he's passing that down there. Go ahead and, and pass it on down. But, and Reverend Russian, but we also need male men in the church too as well. We have a lot of women that are involved doing a lot in the church, but we don't have a strong male presence in the church and we need the man. Go ahead, Pastor Rush. Yes, to what bothers me, and this is my biggest concern, I saw all of us on this panel, I saw all the ministers hold their hand up out in the audience. And as many as here, we do not even have a ministerial alliance. We don't have a place where we gather together, where we talk about the community. We don't have an alliance to where each church puts funding into that, to where we can handle education problems, employment problems. Minister Williams talking about putting inmates back to work. We, we are the problem. And until we decide that we're gonna band together, instead of being the most segregated place in the world on Sunday morning. And I'm fortunate to have, to have a multicultural congregation. But guys, what makes us not have a ministerial alliance? What makes us not have a place to where we meet on a monthly basis and put funding in it to where we have an avenue for people to come and ask for assistance and ask for help? And we learn about helping agencies and where we can send people and even put them to work at our church. We cut grass. They could come and we could give them something. It's great that we're here and we're talking about this. But guys, I'm telling you the truth. I'm tired of putting a Band-Aid on a cut. Until we decide that we got to stitch it to stop it from reopening, we'll be here again next year. We'll be here again the year after that. Until we decide that we're going to band together as leaders, then we're still going to have a situation. I mean, I, I'm serious. I was in Winniewood. We had a ministerial alliance in Winniewood with money ended that we absolutely help people. And we're way larger than Winniewood. And I know it's 20 preachers in here now. And you have to ask yourself, do we gather together somewhere to meet, to talk about issues, to make our more better place? It's not. It's not. It's going to remain the same. And that's what I said. It's a band-aid on a cut. 
And eventually it's just going to keep opening back up and opening back up and opening back up. Thank you very much. Okay, here's what we're going to do. We've got one more coming, go down at the end. And what I'm going to do now, after this next question, anyone who has a question, you come on this side over here and you go from right here. Our last comment on this question, and then we're opening it up on the floor. So if you have a question or comment to the panel, we need to hear from you. Go ahead, sir. Uh, I do believe that uh, we do have a role to play and that we should play. The thing is, Jesus Christ, he didn't spend all of his time preaching and teaching. Jesus Christ was found healing the sick, feeding the hungry, healing those who needed healing. He was there. Uh, within the community, helping the community for the most, for the majority of his ministry. And so, same thing should be happening amongst us who call ourselves clergy. And the thing is, uh, we have, we have, we, we cannot be scared to uh, step outside of the status quo and get into areas that are uncomfortable for us to get in because we would be honest with, the, with ourselves. We don't do it because we're not comfortable in those areas, maybe. Uh, and and just to uh, say something about Pastor Rush and what he just mentioned about a, a, a pastor's alliance or a minister's alliance. Uh, when I first got to Ardmore, a few years, not even a year uh, being here, there was a pastor, a Southern Oklahoma pastoral alliance that was set up. There was one. There was one that did not catch, uh, we did not get the cooperation from pastors when asked to be a part. And the funding came mostly from the five to seven members that, that did participate. And we we operated for a minute, but we could not sustain what we wanted to do as an alliance. And so there's been attempts, uh, Pastor Russian, to do a pastor's alliance, but for some reason, there was not there was not participation in in the in, in the efforts, and so. But I do agree that uh, that we should be together. Pastors, ministers, clergy, and Armour should get together and discuss and have these type of discussions, and then make uh, strategic plans in order to help the whole of Armour, uh, especially in these under underserved areas of our communities, also. But Jesus was found doing ministry. He wasn't always preaching. Thank you so much, Pastor. Okay, let's get started with the audience. 645, Virgil, you're up. I have some responses to some of the things that were being said as far as racism and what's going on. You know, it was an old saying that I used to hear long ago. It said, what you don't understand, you fear. So if you don't have an understanding of how we live, who we are, and we don't understand each other, we never gonna get any further than what we are. Because there's always a fear of one another. Okay? And that needs to get we need to get rid of that fear, first of all, and start understanding individuals. And I and I also even want to comment on the fact of ex offenders. And I've covered all of them, I've been in all of that. I came home and I opened a business. I was on a Mr. J's barbecue on Maine for a long time. But the thing is this, ex offenders that come home, we don't have nowhere to look to. We try to look to our pastors, we try to look to the deacon board, we try to look to people for support, but no one reaches out. The parole board tells you, well, you can vote rehab, you have different programs that are available to you for housing and different things, but we never see them, especially as a black man. It's always kept under the rug. 
If you don't read and un try to understand what's going on, even in incarceration, you have to know what's going on and what you have available to you after your time is done. I tell all the young men that I talk to, the Constitution tells you, the 13th Amendment of the United States Constitution, involuntary servitude nor slavery cannot exist as one men duly convicted of a crime. What the first thing they can do is give you a number when you go to court. Enslaves you, it stops you from doing everything that you need to do as far as being any professional person in all a lot of times. But you get the 15th that says once service is complete, your all rights are reinstated. So there seems to be a lot of people don't understand that. So we try to talk to these young men as much as we can, but we need pastors, we need ministers to help us to start getting out talking to these young men. And, and even though no matter what, you know, a lot of them are afraid because they might do this, they might do that. But when it comes time to take a stand for something that's better, we need to encourage them to do that. Quit looking down on them, quit judging, quit condemning them, quit talking about them. Help them because they're sick. They need help. They need somebody to understand them. You know, and I really, I've been upset with a lot of us, as I, even as believers. And, you know, it's not just the church, it's the members and all. We're not even talking about entrepreneurship. We're not encouraging one another as far as getting businesses. Your talents that you know, you, what's the difference in talents and a gift? There is. You guys says gift will make room for you. But we have so many talents that nobody wants to use. You know, we should be entrepreneurs, have our own businesses, do our own things. And true enough, here's the opportunity to make a difference right here, right today. So this is what we, if it starts here, it needs to keep going from here. You know, don't, every time we go to things, and I've been through a lot of this and it gets laid down. All because you're, you're a fellow and you don't know nothing. That's not true. Some of us got answers to the questions you really need that you are asking and the help that you really need because we've been there done that. And that's all I'm saying. It's time out for his plan. And it's time out for us as leaders to step up and do something positive. Black or white don't matter. Because in incarceration, we slept together, lived together, and we understood one another. We knew who we were. And we didn't have the problem. And I always would tell them, man, if we could get out of here and take what we know home to our churches and to our pastors and to our families, we wouldn't have the problems we're having now. So what you don't understand, you fear. Get understanding. You know, the book take with all you're getting. Get understanding. Thank you, Bert. Anyone want to respond to his comment, what he said? I know we all have enough people in our congregations in the, that goes to churches who are hiring officials, hire, you know, administrators to hire people and everything. We need to find a, a way of finding jobs for excellence. Instead of quick talking about they don't want to work, they don't want to do nothing, they do want to work. They do want to do things. They, they want a job. They want to have a live. They don't want to be, hold on to that title as an ex-felon. They don't, they, you know, that, that's something that we hear, ex-felon. How about just, they rehabilitate themselves or just a human being. We do need, if we, if we don't, jobs are hiring, we need to tell the pastors or different people or anybody in the church, come to your pastor or pastors, ask your members. Do you know somebody who, who can hire an ex-felon? Or don't even worry about that. You know, a lot of times we look at the person, what that happens to them, we can't look at that no more. We got to look at the change that they want to do. And people can't change if you're still tearing them down. As Christians, we're supposed to uplift each other, help each other out. But we worry about so much the prominent members in the church, who paying this and who paying that in the church. And that's, that's what people feel all the time. Oh, these pastors ain't going to do nothing. They worry about the money. And if y'all really know, a pastor, we don't make no money. We don't make no money. We have jobs. Unfortunately, I'm retired from the military. And 
the great thing is I will do anything I can to help anybody out who's a convicted felon. I have asked people to help, even if some young adults or kids who went to juvenile, I even ask people to help hire them for a job. Well, what do they do? Well, I can't help them out. How can we help somebody out? We're still pushing them down to the dirt. They cannot get up. We have to fight for this. We have to help each other out instead of tearing each other down. That's what we do all the time. We rather look at the one negative thing that somebody do and run with it for the rest of our for the rest of our lives and talk about them instead of looking at all the thousands of things that they done great. We got to quit that. We got to get out of that crab in the barrel mentality, the good old boy mentality, the good old hood mentality. We got to get out of that situation. We got to get out of that reason of the cause and effect. Because my granddaddy did this and my granddaddy did that, I'm going to keep the tradition. Some traditions just need to be just put in the grave. Leave it alone. Because every time we look at the cause and effect of it, it's I could have, should have, would have, but I didn't. Instead of saying, what can I do to help somebody uplift them up and help them progress in life and they can teach their kids, even though mom and daddy made a mistake, I can, I, I can learn from that mistake that they made and not worry about hearing what mom and daddy did all the time. Because mom and dad, half the time, they couldn't get that chance because nobody wanted to give it to them. And then they have to hear that all the time in the community. Well, you just such and such child. We have to stop that. We have to lift each other up. Quit worrying about what the person has done. Let's worry about what the person trying to do to change.
and that helps them be successful as an adult, which shapes their projection for a good job and college. And these are conversations that, frankly, as white people, we need to be willing to have with our families and our coworkers. And it cannot just be this abstract idea, because like I said, our politics does have to be married to our practice of our Christian faith. So I just wanted to address that because it, it, I didn't feel like it was addressed when it was brought up. Thank you. I'd like to make a comment in response to that because uh, the speaker mentioned uh, the interface between uh, faith and politics. And, and what I want to say is this, uh, we're going to have problems. We, I don't know what everyone's faith is in the room, uh, but those of us who are Christians, in times like this, we all want to go to the Bible, and that's right. Uh, the problem is we're all reading our Bibles. We're not reading one another's Bibles. And G.K. Chesterton said, when will we understand it does you no good to read the Bible unless you read everyone else's Bible? This is what I mean by that. My tribe, all right, white conservative Baptist. I won't speak for anyone else. We read the Bible uh, from a modern Western individualistic culture. The Bible, however, God chose to reveal the Bible to a pre-modern Eastern community-based culture. That's why we have a problem when we read that God says, I'll visit the sins on the third and fourth generation. Or when God says that no Ammonite until the tenth generation can enter the people of Israel. But that wasn't a problem for the people to whom those words were revealed. Because they understood a society as a whole. And if part of the body is sick, all of the body suffers. That made sense to them. Until we are willing to read the Bible that way, then we're going to keep saying things like, well, I never owned slaves and I've never discriminated against anybody. Listen, my great-great-grandfather fought for the Confederacy under Nathan Bedford Forrest. I know that because I have his papers where he applied for a veteran's pension from the state of Texas. This is long after the war was over, and he received it. That means my family received generational wealth. The state of Texas rewarded us financially because my great-great-grandfather fought to extend slavery. And I'm richer now as a result of that. And I have some privileges like access to health care. Until we're willing to take that understanding to the Word of God, we're going to continue to have these problems. Cleopas LaRue says uh, that the African-American hermeneutic finds God active in the text on behalf of the marginalized. That is the core of reading Scripture. And it's from that, and not just from reading our own Bibles our own ways, that our unity is going to flow. Thank you. Yeah, I, I have some questions. I'm glad you said that because that had to be meant to be because I wanted to speak on the difference between the African-American race and the white race in a I, to me, you know, I want solutions. I want solutions. I feel like we all know the problem. I don't feel like we should have to get up here and say, oh, racism is real. Oh, what the what, man? It ain't never been no secret. We, Us born in this uh, time frame that we was born in, we, we knew about this. As soon as we had an understanding of life, we knew that things had happened and uh, things wasn't right with our people. And I just want to ask, like, what 
as as the leaders, the leaders in the church, all of y'all are leaders in the church, I want to ask, what are we gonna do now that we brought this to the to the table and it we got we got the force of God behind us, we are believers and we don't need no permission to do the right thing. I feel like that's what we're living for, that's our purpose. So I don't see nothing stopping us and I would like to know from everybody up here in our colors and our uh, backgrounds that what are we gonna do like? I'm here to talk about racing. We know what happened with our ancestors. Like as you said, you've done your history and when I was young, it took me to grow up and, and self-educate myself, but I, I come to realize that my people haven't been in the position they've been in just based off of luck. Like it was by design. You know, some of us, our ancestors didn't have a chance and they didn't have nothing to leave us with. And it, it's generational curses, just like a generational blessings. You know, so what are we gonna do about that? Is we gonna keep it? <laughs> Yeah. yeah. So I'm like, man, we, we know this, man. We know, we know we, we glorifying presidents that was, you know, they held people down. We supposed to be American citizens, but it's hard for me to look up to some of these leaders knowing what they did to my people. But I'm supposed to teach my son and daughter, oh yeah, that's President so-and-so. But what was he doing to us? If he was still living, how would he feel about me? You know what I mean? Because what was he doing to my ancestors based on what I look like? You know what I mean? So my main thing is I, I look up, you know, I'm a Christian. I go to I go to Macedonia Baptist uh Miss Missionary Baptist Church and I'm I, I'm a reborn Christian and I've been out of prison for seven seven months and I couldn't wait to get out here and do the Lord's work, you know, because I feel like I'm a soldier. You know? I'm, I'm willing, I'm willing, I'm willing, I was willing to die for the wrong thing and I was willing to kill my other, my brother for the wrong thing. So I think I should be willing to die five times for the right thing for Christ, you know. So I want to ask y'all to really step up, man. I need y'all's help. And, and I know, I know y'all some smart men. I know y'all, y'all, y'all got the word behind y'all. We on the, we on the path and I feel like we should come together. It's 11 people at that table and Jesus changed the world with 12 disciples. You know, so I'm ready to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for real. I really, I really want y'all to get active, man, with this, with this topic. It's, 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 it's a lot of people that need help. You know, we love everybody. We accept our races and our colors. But this topic right now is racism. I don't think any white people here are here because they feel like they have been racist towards me. If y'all hold y'all meeting, I'm gonna be there too. But we know what the problem is, let's do something about it. And I need y'all. Come on up here, man. Cause I, I gotta hear the audience say something and we'll respond at the end. Come on, Leonard. Uh, first of all, I want to say, at first I didn't want to come to this meeting. Cause I thought it was gonna be some same old stuff. But what I wanted to say is, some of the younger generation hadn't really experienced what racism is. I mean, some of us older people have been through some of it. And I'm gonna just throw a little bit of it out there. When I started to work admission 36 years ago to, to work my way through that plant and have the opportunity to take care of my family, uh, I wanted to be a supervisor at the plant. 
But what they put me through, you wouldn't believe. I had to go back and finish three years of college to even be considered to be a supervisor to manage people like the other ranks. Yeah. And first of all, what the assistant plan manager didn't know when he told me what I had to do to be a supervisor at the plant, he told me that thinking that I wasn't going to be able to accomplish that goal. But two years and a half years later, I come back and drop that BS on his desk. <laughs> and then I asked him, well, does this help me get a job at this plant? And what he did then, he flopped it. He said, you got a degree, but you don't have the experience in that department. No, he, he, he did flip-flop. All right, I said, okay. Okay, I see. I spent two years of my life, and my wife helped me go through this. I, and then the next job come on that board, I said, if I don't get it, we're going to put everybody's credentials on the table and see who's qualified or not. I got that job. <laughs> and I'm going to say this as I close, so you really know about racism. I spent seven years of my life and my family in Overlaka, Alabama, working at a plant. But I lived in Georgia. All right. So here's the thing about some of you good old Oklahomans. All right. And if you want to know the difference between racism in Oklahoma and racism in Alabama, all right, here's what they do. In Alabama, the ones that's like that, they don't speak to you. So you know it. It's sort of like social distance. <laughs> All right, here's the deal in Oklahoma. All right, I'm not pointing the finger at anybody, but if you're one of those, when you look in the mirror, you know what you are and who you are. And see, what I tell them in Oklahoma, they smile in your face. And they put that ice pick in your back. See, but you don't want to know what we like this in Oklahoma. But in Alabama, you're going to know where you stand. So when you look at yourself, if you're racist and your heart is like that, nobody's going to change your heart but God. So that's the difference between Alabama, Oklahoma. Good evening to everybody here today, and I'm delighted to be here. And those that may already know me know that I've I've served here for about 35 years in, in Western Marietta, where I pastor. I thank God to be part of history and what's going on here. And I, I'm here some very great comments, and I think I'm going to make a comment on the theological part of it, to where many of our ministers are here, many of our Christians are here. Certainly, we know the scripture. Certainly, we can sit down and talk on those occasions. But when we leave here today, what else are we going to do? We talk, we, we, we're talking about racial equality. We're talking about justice and injustice. But what are we going to do? It starts with the past, as Virgil has said. 
Now, and I'm addressing black pastors, white pastors, woman pastor, whoever, whatever your capacity is as a leader. If your family don't follow you to different various churches where they visit, so you're saying something about what you're teaching at your church. Come on, somebody ought to say amen. Uh, this brother got up and said that he, he lived in Georgia and Alabama. I'm an alien here. I, I'm not from this place. I'm from Louisiana, so I know about racism. Y'all don't wear, Oklahomans don't wear, racism don't, they, they don't wear a robe. They got intellect for that. They know how, they got organizational structure, how to deal with our young people and what they're doing today, our young men and young women. Guess what? No one ought to condone injustice because God has ordained the law. Is that right? If you do the crime, then you're going to pay. But the, the problem that some of us have with that, when I do a crime, why do I have to pay triple than my counterpart? That's something That's something wrong with, with, with the judicial system in our communities, in our city. It, it's something wrong with our leaders in our church. When we know that those things are happening, we won't rise to the occasion until it's my son or my daughter that is going through this. Only when I'm crying... That my son and my and my daughter, or someone like Gordon, had been what seven times in jail. Now he he, he becomes statistic. He then build up a paper trail against it. Let's find something to help other young people now. Maybe out of ten, maybe 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 eight or nine of or ten, five of them might make it, but five of them might go back. But we don't need to be guilty of letting them build a paper trail again. It starts from the schoolhouse. First of all, it starts from the church, brethren. It starts from the church. Yes, we, we are te theologically sound, but James said, let us not just be hearers, but let us be doers of the word of God. And if we really have been born of God, God shares with us in his word. This is, if you are born of God, by this we know that you love your brother. And if you don't love your brother, guess what? You're not born of God. And if you're not born of God, maybe morally you might want to do some good things, but most likely not. If you have some racial problems, and guess what? Some of us have, all of us have racial racial problems. Anybody ever get some flashback? I get flashback. I got a couple of flashbacks today of what had happened to me in my past, and I say, you know where I come from. So, our young people are afraid when the police stop them. And the old people used to teach us how to handle ourselves when police did it. But guess what? Thank God we got some young men and some young women are tired of injustice and are tired of this and that, and they're not going for it no more. Thank you. I want to tell us we need to pray. Challenge your pastor. Tell your pastor why are you not teaching on racial problems? Why are, you, why are we not congregating together? Love you. God bless you. And I want to speak upon that too as well because that's something where in churches, you know, pastors, we have to speak up to our congregants, our laities, our parishioners. We have to speak up to them and tell the truth. Quit worry about that, that pocket. You know, that's what people say. The pastor worry about that pocket who, who pays so much in their time. Don't worry about that. You know, because a lot of times people, they get mad at their pastor because, well, why are you treating everybody else the same? I pay more money in the church. I should get a special treatment. You know, pastor, we don't need to worry about that. 
We don't need to worry about the parishioners, how much they pay. We need to about telling the, the truth, the, the, the word of God, straightforward. Tell the truthfully. So we don't need to worry about what, 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 how much money somebody bringing in, because when we do that, we deviate from the word of God. And when we do that, that's a problem. Because, see, we forgot the word right there for that short period of time because we worry about our salaries. That's some. I'm not going to say all. But that's something that people see, but that's some things that is true. And that's what we have to fix. It's not about the money in your pocket. Just like, you know, the, if you read the book of Acts, everybody put all that stuff in. You know, we don't want to happen to Ananias and his wife. They try to shortcut. What happened? Boom, they died. So why are we trying to shortcut ourselves towards being truthful and tell the people about what's going on with racism, social injustice, people get mistreated because of the color of their skin? We cannot just, oh, just cover it up. Just like Pastor Rucker said, we're putting a Band-Aid over it. We can't be that way. Just tell the truth uncut. Tell the word of God. Jesus fought for the, the common people. He didn't worry about the Sadducees and Pharisees. He didn't worry about the things that they said because they talked about it. So we worry about what the as pastors, we worry about what people think. We're not doing our job. That's all I have to say. Um, just to recap on what everybody else who has came up here and said, uh, I agree with everything that they're saying. I think it's awesome and everything, but... When they came up here and asked, what are we going to do when we leave here? Like, how can y'all help us? I, I didn't feel like they got an answer, and I wanted to come up here to get an answer. I want an answer. I don't want to just come up here and say what I have to say and rant and rave, because it's a lot of rant and rave, and I want to do, but I'm not going to do that. I want to ask y'all directly, y'all that are sitting up there, and I feel like y'all sitting up there for a reason, so I want a response. I want to ask, when we leave here, what change do y'all plan on making? What do y'all plan on doing? So I want to ask y'all specifically, and I want a response specifically from y'all sitting up there at higher, you know, seats than us. You know, I feel like y'all can make a change, and, you know, we're ready to follow y'all. We're ready to walk side and side by y'all. I led a protest a few Sundays ago. I don't remember if I seen any of y'all faces or not, but if I did, and we would have appreciated to have seen y'all walking with us, you know, to let us know y'all here for us, y'all stand with us, y'all will walk with us. So I want an answer, like, today, what do y'all plan on doing when we leave here? How do y'all plan on, you know, making a change? Okay, so... Hold up, hold up. This is Mrs. Day-Day. She is one of the organizers of the march. Yeah, uh, I organized yeah. the Black Lives Matter March. Yeah, she and Demetrius and another young man, and I'm just here supporting her because yeah. they're young and they need some guidance, and they ask, and I'm guiding. So just know that I'm just going Absolutely, and and can but, but don't don't time me yet. But can we just applaud our Gen Zers and our Millennials for because they're doing some things that we do not do, and they're getting it done. So so absolutely, absolutely, and and they're unafraid and they're moving forward. So so I I, I think before we can. Uh, I, I agree with Pastor Rush, and I think the ministerial alliance needs to begin. But I would say this: before we can do this, I, I would challenge. Uh, I would challenge my uh, white co-laborers in the gospel, those our white pastors, that uh, to be genuine allies. And when I say genuine allies of this movement, genuine allies of uh, of racial change. Uh, I mean that we would need you to stand up, not just in your congregation, but when you hear it in your family reunions, 
when you hear it with your uh, when you hear it in, in your neighborhood with your neighbors, you hear racism come. When when you hear it uh, in the marketplace, whenever you hear it, to be a genuine ally because when you are silent, it silence speaks loud. So I think before we can genuinely come together as as I uh, as uh, together uh, black and white pastors and black and white congregations coming together to uh, achieve racial equality and, and tear down these racist systems that have been oppressing us. Before we can do that, we first have to look in the mirror first and ask ourselves and be honest about the things that uh, we are outright uh, ra racist about. And we also have to confront what's going on in our very homes and our families and what's going on in our uh, what's going on in our communities where we live, and yes, what's going on in the pews? Because there's there are people right in the pews uh, that I'm sure don't even like the fact that you're here tonight, probably. So, so I think you have to, in order for you to be a genuine ally for this movement, I think that has to happen before an alliance needs to happen. But I am committed to the alliance. To answer your question. I say that right now. I'm committed to it. I'm committed to the Alliance because I need the Alliance to help me continue to grow. I grew up in a sundown town. I did not know that until I was an adult. I just knew that there were only white people in my town. And so it has been a growing realization that you can't grow up like that and not be tainted. You know, I've, I've stepped back, I've repented of, of things as they come up, but I'm not here to tell you I'm woke. I, I, think, I think I need the ministerial alliance to keep shaking me all the time. I, I covenant with you. Tell me your name again. Dejourly. Dejourly, mm -hmm. I promise to keep having conversations with my black friends and clarifying the things that I'm reading and that I'm watching. And, and I commit to continue to learning. I commit to continue to have conversations. I have had, uh, it has been more productive so far to have conversations with the smaller group that comes to our Wednesday night prayer meetings. I'm having those conversations. They are. They, I've got one person who's reading a book right now I've asked if that's a recommendation for some other people to read it, and I have that. Um, and yes, I, I am preaching my second brave sermon this Sunday. And, okay. And pray for me. Thank you, sister. Thank the rest of you. But let me say this right here. Let me tell you what she wants since I talk to them every day. She don't want no more of that. Because when y'all started this, and when they started that meeting on Tuesday, these people weren't invited. There ain't nobody up there on that panel. It looked like her or him. Why they not up there? Why? They laid out. They laid out. And nobody talked to them. Nobody called them. Nobody invited them. Once again, they were not seen. And they were not heard. Now, my pastor had to catch a little bit from me this week because I called him. I'm like, hey, y'all having a meeting? We don't know nothing about it. Why? And that's why they hurt me. Not only are they being hurt by racism, but they being hurt by you guys. Because ain't nobody listening to them. Ain't nobody talking to them. Y'all wrote them off. I wrote them off, but I hear them now. 
walking. We were thinking we were great. And here I am helping and leading and calling and sharing. Thank you for God and suing. Cussing him out. I did. I did. Because they didn't want nobody. They wanted help, but they wanted to do it themselves. And they want somebody to hear them and see them. All I hear is what I did on Wednesday, what we're going to do on Thursday. That ain't what they want. That's not what they want. They want to know what program you're going to head up. What are we going to do about the people that are coming out of jail? Some re-entry programs. I'm looking into one. I told you, I'm setting up the nonprofit. I'm setting up the people at the state. we got to change some laws. Y'all know what it takes. It ain't all about it here. Are we willing to go talk to our legislators that are willing to run legislation on one thing but not help us on another one? 802. Your state representative was there Tuesday night. Does not. I'm going to say that out loud for the person that did. Does not. Want 802 to pass. What's wrong with that when that's what we need? That's what we need. But ain't nobody talking about it because it's not politically correct to call her out. And what's she at tonight? That's what I'm saying, guys. You say politics ain't in the church. That's not true. That is not true. Y'all need to stop. We got to be real. We got to get it done. This is time out for playing. We call it what it is. And that's what they want. They want to know, okay, you didn't walk with us the first time. And like I said, they didn't know about it. A lot of y'all didn't know about it. I'm with you on that. But what you did know is once we did it, did anybody call? I didn't get no call now. And I know everybody know where I am. I didn't get no call and they knew I was in the march. Ain't nobody said, hey, we can get one of them young kids and so we can sit down and talk to them and see what they want. Ain't nobody. Call them. Ain't nobody heard from them. Ain't nobody listening to them. Sister Cynthia, if, if you would allow me just yes, for a moment, yes. sis, sis, yes. if, if you would allow me just yes, for a second to the young lady right there. We are here because we heard you. That's, that's all I want. We are here. Let, let me help you out. Let, let me help you out. Before we get off track. Right. We, we are here. Because we heard you. And a whole lot of times what we have to understand is you don't have to speak to be heard. Okay? We we heard you. That's why we're at this table. If you will allow us, what we're in did not happen overnight. The solving to the problem will not happen overnight. But I'm telling you, from this standpoint right here, if you will allow us to gather ourselves together and put some things together, and, and I'm going to ask these pastors that I know you got somebody in your church that has a building that, that we can use, that we can form, that we can meet, I will tell you that our church will give the first $200 to move this church. So if you will give us a chance, and, and I don't want you to think that what you've done was in vain, that what you've done, I was not at the march, but I heard you. I saw you. So don't you ever think that you have to be at a table to be heard. Okay? We heard you. That, that's why we are where we are. But the man did not get killed in Arthur, Oklahoma. But we are here because we heard you. So if you will give us the opportunity to rectify, to fix what is happening, I can assure you 
and I ain't trying to add nothing else on myself, but I guess I just did. We're going to help you get some answers to your problem. You, you know me. You can come talk to me as we meet, as we gather, as we move forward. Then we will get answers to your, to, to your questions. We will move forward. We will make things happen. We will move forward to make a change so that we will be able to get your questions answered. Thank you. And so I'm going to say, we talking about that as well. Um, I get it. I get we was heard, but we've been heard for so many years. It's time to, like, put some action in play. And I get that it does take time, and we're willing to take time. We're willing to fight with y'all. We're willing. We want to be a part of the meeting so we know what day we need to come in and help and do whatever we need to do. We want to know what time the meeting goes on. We want to know. We want to. We feel like we got to sit at the table so we be on the same page as y'all are. We get that. We get that. But as moving forward, we want to know exactly how do we plan to keep going forward. Everybody will come on and talk about their stories and this and that and this and that. But we've been think about how long we've been talking about solutions and how we just haven't came up with a solution. But I get that. I get that. It. I get that. It takes time. I get it. And. We're willing to walk with y'all as long as y'all willing to come with us. And we want to do this as a community, all of us together. It don't mean that y'all just got to have a meeting just with y'all to figure out what's going on. We want to be a part of those meetings. We want to stand up, too, because it's going to take all of us to get to get heard, to be more than heard, to make action, and just to get a lot done. Sis, what, what, what I, I want to explain is, and, and nobody won't just come out and say this, the reason why we had to get together first, because we're messed up. Yeah. Yeah. We are messed we have we have to we're not talking to one another. So if we come in with you, we will mess you up. So we, we we're trying to tell you is we have to get together first. And and that's why that's why you always see pastors at this table, you only see youth pastors at this table. Because we have to get our stuff together before we can come with you. Or else we will mess up with you all have done. We know y'all want action and y'all want it now. We understand that. But we don't want to sabotage you either. So that's that's where we are. And 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 I'm not gonna drag I'm not gonna be a part of anything that's gonna drag that you know, drag my feet. If anybody knows me, they know that about me. So um so when I say I'm committed and I'm down for you, I'm down. I would just urge my brothers and sisters at this table to not leave tonight before that first meeting is set. In stone, in our calendar, set so we can That's what we want right there. That's what we want. And also, there will be a Juneteenth event on Friday from 5 till whenever, um, this Friday at 515 Maxwell. And if anyone wants to come out to talk to the community or show your support, that will be a good time. Thank you. Let's give them a hand for their efforts. The synagogue has been a and a for many years. The George Floyd woke up the whole world and Arden was a part of it, okay? to get this message across that God created all of us. And, and 
He created, he created all of us. And we're all equal. Nobody's any better than anybody else. But you look around the town sometimes. I live over in the southeast part of town and I grew up in the northeast side of town. And I listened to some of the meeting last night because I really didn't know about it. There's a communication gap that's keeping people from getting together. And uh, that needs to be closed. Uh, but on, on my side of town, I have no side. There's no sidewalks on my side of town. If I want to walk, I just have to walk in the street. And then I live by Whittington Park, and I know there's a lot of talk about trying to redo the park up there and stuff. I think that's going to be great, but it needs to be done right. Not, not like it is now. They need to put big lights up there where people can see at night, make sure that it's patrolled, make sure, even put cameras up there. Because if they left it like it was last time, they had to close it down because it was horrible. Music half the night. You know, people uh, people up there drinking, a lot of stuff like that. I don't want to. I don't like living in that. In that, I mean. So you got Central Park. We want Whittington Park to look like that. So can we get some of the same stuff? You know. And, I, and another thing that bothers me, I see a lot of the fire hydrants. I know they're working on them. You know, fixing them and all that kind of stuff. The fire hydrants on our side look terrible. If you want to paint up something, come over there and paint up some of our stuff. Or let some, let some of us do it so we can make our stuff look good too. You know, and, and I'm just saying that because that's that's where we live. You know, so so come and help us build our neighborhood up. You know, another thing too is in Armour, jobs are not jobs are not plenty for us. I have a son that has a, a degree in biology. He went out to Nova Foundation for a little while, and then they decided, okay, we've been rid of the program now. I applied out at, at, at uh, Southern Tech to be a teacher. I didn't get an interview. All I got was a letter saying, sorry, we already, had, we already got somebody else. We need more black people in those positions. Teachers, you know, working at Noble Foundation, they got all that money out there. Why? Same old, same old. So we got to get together. We want to work together. Let me know. I finally got on the website because I didn't know what was going on. But let's work together and make it all be good. All right, we've got our 30-minute mark. And what we're going to do is we've got two people that's going to close this out. Because I don't want no one to leave here and say, I did not get a chance to say what I have to say. And then we got an announcement at the end, and we'll hear from the panel. At this time, come on up, Brian. Hello, everyone. My name is Brian Fuller. I'm a resident of Armour, Oklahoma, as well. I grew up in the, the Corinth Baptist Church on the northeast side, Reverend C.M. Franks, one of my mentors, great man. Laid my foundation, so I do know the word. So that means I do know the truth. So when I talk, I can speak with the truth. I'm 45 years old. I never have stepped foot in a predominantly all-white congregation, sad to say. But I'm not going to sit up and beat the white ministers down because or more, the white churches do do things. They build up houses. You see those kids in the summer. My daughters went on trips with Lake Mary, uh, different, Mary New Black, different churches, so they do things. So, but there is a difference though now. We, we, we know who got the money around here. 
And while y'all sitting up, Mr. Leonard, racism is racism, man. And all more, we surrounded 50 miles to the east, to the west, north and south of predominantly white towns. You know if you go Longwood, Wilson, Ringling, Warica, Dixon, Mansville, too. So racism, we deal with that, man. It's the same thing. Nothing has changed. But we have to, like the brother said, Dimitri, the solution starts now. Come on, Reverend Rush. We need answers right now. I, from my understanding, me and you have talked at the university center. Me and Brother Virgil have an outreach program. It's, been, it's called Karma, keeping a right mind and attitude. What comes around, go around. We, we've damaged the community through our youth days. Now it's time to give back. That's the circle. That's what karma's about. We've told a, a, a lot of ministers in our community, because we'll sit up and say, man, this is what's going on, This, but we have to have accountability for the African-American community. Because what happens when brothers like me or Demetrius or Virgil get into those jails, I don't see none of no ministers, except for Reverend Thomas from right there on 4th Street. I know, brother, but I'm saying from 90s to 2000, it's been way too long. This is 2020, man. This is 2020, Reverend Rush. If we have an outreach program, a re-entry, and these brothers, and you working at the university center, and you know another doctor, an, a, another minister, we have to outreach with each other. That's why these young brothers not in the, in the church, because they don't think nothing's real coming up out of there. They feel like it's nothing real. They ain't real. They don't even come out on the streets and talk to us and ask us to come to church and we right across the street. Yeah. This is real, Cynthia. But I, I'm not a minister, but I do be out in the streets of Ardmore saving lives because I'm in mental health. I stop suicidal thoughts. I'll give up this brother who thinks about wanting to rob somebody or want to join a game. But we still don't get help and I've been crying out for four years, man, trying to have meetings. Trying to talk to the reverend, but it's a death fear. I really don't understand it. Let's build up our community. The kids need, these young brothers and sisters need examples. Money is nothing. If, if the Lord is blessing us, money is nothing to build a gymnasium, to build a campus where they can go after school and get on the computer and enhance their, the STEM, science, technology. If this, don't we want these kids? To continue to have all more good, they got to know how to run banks. They have to know how to be construction workers and businessmen. Where are they going to learn this? Okay, I'm, I'm just saying, let's come together. I'm not beating nobody down. Let's come with ideas. We got the money. Let's build arcades. That money is nothing. Let's, let's help these kids. Right. I, I want to respond to that because ever since the last five years, in this community, I've been trying. I'm, I don't like the word I because I don't want nobody to say that I is. It's been plenty of times where I reached out, put flyers at the center, head to word of mouth, told people things. You know, I know I'm not from Armour. I'm from Georgia. A lot of times, people think because you're from a, you're an outsider, you don't know what you're talking about. As many times I we had last year, we had a prayer for the kids to go back to school. It was only 12, 20 people that showed up. 20 people, I word of mouth, the same day, a lot of people went to all these sports events. 
I've been at the center. We have an outreach for the youth. MZ Kids Ministry. We do tutoring there. We do. We have kids in every aspect. We have flyers up there at the center, but nobody ever responded. And I can understand, you, you know, the churches we don't have, you know, as much as the Caucasian churches have. But what we do, we don't have as many members either inside the churches. Everybody want to bash the church. I'm not, I'm not trying to say you were bashing or nothing like that. But a lot of times people don't want to pay tithes. They don't, yes, sir. Mount Zion, Corinth, those are pillar churches. They've been around a long time. Yeah. It was a baby. Mm -hmm. They got some money. All right. Well, I'll that money. <laughs> All right. This is our last one. And let's give everybody a hand. You guys have done a great job so far. Long time coming. Come on, sister. We lost all that. We forgot about what all you talked about. <coughs> the first thing we're going to have to do is have to show love for one another as a race of people. I went to an integrated school in 1957. And during that year, I know what, I feel like we integrated the school. I know that we did because it was the first year of integration. So I always was concerned when my granddaughter started to school at Plainview. And when she was about in the fourth grade, I asked her the question. I said, are they nice to you? She said, yes. I said, Angel, do the kids play with you? She said, yes. I said, well, Angel, are the teachers nice to you? Because I know my experience at the school in 1957. And I know that children learn what they live. So she said, then she looked at me and she said, Grand, have you ever been to school before? <laughs> yeah. Kids don't know anything about you being white and I being black. They don't even see that. And I say that because Sunday night I was in Marietta at a, at a prayer meeting. And during the prayer meeting, the, my grandbabies were with me and they were have a white mama but a black daddy and they were running around and they were having fun together and they didn't even know one was black and one was white. Of course they weren't, they were black and white. But the whole thing about it is that until we love, not because of what we can get from that somebody, we're not gonna grow. We're not gonna grow when we're just there to receive, to be on the receiving end. We've got to love one another. I see the sheriff here tonight and I was very glad to see him. I've had I've called on him and he was right there. I'm in the funeral business here in Ardmore, Kirk Funeral Home. Called on him once and he was there and he brought his whole team with him. That's what I call somebody that was willing to help. He didn't say, why do you need me? Why do you want me? How many people do you need? He just came and he was there when I wanted him to be. Thank you, Brother Sheriff. To all of you who don't know how important it is because your kids are watching you. And when you show me disrespect because I'm black, your kids are watching. That was the main thing that I stood to say. It doesn't matter what we talked about if we leave it inside this building. 
What matters is what are we going to do about it? We want equality. That's all we're asking for. I'm a, I'm a proud black woman. Doesn't matter that I'm black. I'm a proud black woman. I thank God that I'm a black woman. I thank God for my experiences. I thank God for the gifts that he has given me as a black woman. But what I want us to do is to learn how to love one another. And then kids will grow up with that love in their hearts. As my grandbaby did. She didn't even know I was asking her all these questions. I didn't have a problem when we went to school. But I still see it every day. I see what happened to just in Minneapolis just recently. That was racism. I said about all the people that are being killed and shot here in Ardmore. That's racism. It's here. It's here. Believe it or not, it's here. Like somebody has addressed already as many times as we go back and forth, pay our money to go to the shops and to go to the restaurants and all this. We don't see our blacks nowhere but in the kitchen. I myself, when I come to Ardmore, had worked 13 years as a dental assistant. And when I came to Ardmore and applied for the dental office, what did I get? Nothing. Thirteen years on the job experience. We need to stand up. We need to not talk about it. We need to do something about it. Well, I see what I'm about to say, and we all did. Some of you, you listen, and in your mind, you had a lot to say. If you are going to church or you're working with some people and they're saying crazy things and they're posting it on Facebook and you don't like them, delete them. I posted something about Colin Kaepernick. I said, I pray that he gets another chance. The response was, well, he screwed up. I said, explain yourself. I'm still waiting on my answer. If I don't get my answer tomorrow, he's gone. You have to make a stand sometimes. And you have to be brave enough. Even in church, there's racism. There is a lot of racism in church. And you know, sometimes God can take a woman like he did with Mary Magdalene and put her up front and do something special. And if you look on this panel, I see one woman on this panel. And I can only imagine what you've been through and you've got credentials of a, of a doctor. I know you said you came from that town where sundown and then you said you want to be a minister. I know they looked at you all sideways. I left there when I was a sophomore in high school, so. <laughs> Amen. So I'm going to ask this panel to close out, and then we're going to say a prayer. Did everybody enjoy themselves on this evening? <laughs> Who do we have that want to do the closing comments on this panel? Go ahead. We're going down that road. Okay, go right ahead. What I want to say is this. If anybody, if you see me on the streets, regardless, I don't worry about no child, just call me Leroy. I'm here for the community. If you want something done, I'm, I'm there to do it. I don't have no job, I'm retired. I don't have no problem going out there and putting my foot to the pavement. Never will have a problem doing it. I will I, I will die doing this. Because I know this is my this is what the Lord wants me to do. So if you if you want you come and bring me something, I will put the foot to the pavement. I am willing to come out and help others who need help. I, I've done it. I have done it. I have helped some of the young kids, and I will continue to still help the young kids. 
I do it at the middle school, volunteer, walk the hallways and talk to the good school kids. I'll always encourage the kids and the young adults to keep on striving and doing greatness. So if, if anybody want to reach me, I have a card, a number, reach me. You call me 2 o'clock in the morning, I'll still answer my phone. I, I don't have no set time, no set schedule. Just contact me and let me know the problems so we can get things done. And believe me, I will put the foot to the pavement. I don't do this for no show. I don't do this for no act. I do it out of, out of love because I love seeing people want to strive for greatness in life. And that's what my goal is. So anytime you see that, I will help somebody out. I don't care who, what color, race, or whoever you are. If you need me, call me. So, so he's my youth pastor. I, I might not answer at two, <laughs> but, I, but I will answer at midnight. I, I'll still answer, but I may not answer at two. But, but I, I want to say this: um, the, the young people in this, I, I have four teenagers in my no one preteen and three teenagers in my house they they are let's just call it out they are experiencing racism in school wow i know that <laughs> because because i have children ch children in school they are definitely they're being respectful they could have went to the mic and told you their stories when i first got here my kids went to playing with you the school horrible experience i'll just leave it at that and, and, and now they go to uh, uh, Armour schools, and, and the racism is still there. Not as much as it was over there, but it, 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 it's, 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 it's uh, still there. So it's definitely there. So, and I want to say as well uh, with this, and I know ministers, we are going to stay to meet, to get that date. Uh, however, uh, I want you to know, yes, Mount, Mount Zion is with, with our young people. Mount Zion is with uh, the work that you're doing. Please call on me. You videotape me, so call on me, and uh, and we'll talk before before uh, this this night ends. And whatever you need us to do uh, at the mount, we are certainly there for you because we need your energy. We need your we need your drive. Uh, we need your passion in this movement because without you, it cannot happen. It cannot happen. So yes, change. Uh, we do want to be a part and we want to support you and help you, but this alliance is needed and we got to get our stuff together. We got to make sure we're genuinely coming together and united. I thank you for letting me be honest with you and I ask you if you have something that you need to say to me, love me enough to come do that. Yeah, I'll echo that. Uh, Howard Thurman wrote in his great book, Jesus and the Disinherited, it ill behooves the man who is not forced to live in a ghetto to tell those who are how to transcend its limitations. I have everything to learn and nothing to teach. Uh, and uh, even when those lessons are hard for me to hear, I want to hear them. And, and I will appreciate your assistance. Again, uh, uh, thank God for you guys being here, first of all. Uh, I, I just got so much that I can wrap my head around and so many things I can say uh, but, but mainly we, we want to change we want to change to you young people I, I admire you 100% but my main concern for you is regardless of what's going on is to find Jesus I, I guarantee you he'll help you with some of your anger he'll help you with some of your issues he'll help you with some of your problems that you need to do 
if you first surrender to him, and then watch how he'll start developing your life and doing what you're supposed to do. We're here for you. I'm not going to change who I am. I love Christ, and I'm going to serve him. I'm going to keep doing the same thing I'm supposed to be doing. And if you get on board, okay, if you don't, then I will lift you up in prayer. But we know what change needs to be made, and we're going to do everything possible to make that happen. So thank you all for letting me be a part of this. I've, this has been a, an incredible experience, Leroy. Thank you for giving me the call and inviting me. Um, I, for one, am excited about the Ministerial Alliance. I think that that's going to be a game changer. Uh, at the town hall meeting the other night, a gentleman got up, and I cannot remember his name, um, but he said something that, you know, that part in Acts where Paul can't see because he's had the encounter with Jesus, and then Barnabas comes, and prays for him and scales fall off and then like the light comes on. It was one of those moments to the point where I don't remember a lot of what else was said during that meeting because it was, but it's simple. Uh, He gets up and and I think it was one of the last things he said before he gave the mic over and he said, change comes and we get to know each other. And I don't know why, but all of a sudden it was like, boom. And then my mind starts reeling. It's like, how do we make this happen? This has to happen. How do we make this happen? And then with the Ministerial Alliance, I think that, that hitting the nail on the head. So I'm excited to see where this is going to take us. And I'm excited that we're all going to move together. because It's going to be, uh, uh, what is, I can't remember the verse, but they'll know we're Christians by our love. And this is how we're going to show it. So thank you all. I just want to say thank you for inviting me as well. Um, the, the spirit has really been stirring my heart for a couple years now, just unity. And I know more than ever now that unity is not just cross-denominationally, but it's cross-racially. And I just want you guys to know that you have my genuine support in word and in deed. And I'm going to do the best that I can do to get to know your struggles and to do what I can do to help. I'd like to thank you as well, Leroy, for inviting me to be here. Uh, It's been very informative, and I've taken many notes of what you guys have said so that I can be praying about the things and questions our community has, but also many notes about what I said as pastors, because what you all said spoke to my heart. To this gentleman over here, he asked, what are we going to do? And this lady echoed the question, and we've said a minister's alliance, and I think that's a great idea. The rest of the world is marching. I hope all of them will fall on its knees and on its face and worship to the Lord because the rest of the world is looking for the Lord to fix the problem. And we as a church know the solution in Jesus Christ. So, you guys, I want to help you set up a worship event in this community that can transform and change and bring forth the glory of God right here in Ardmore. And here's what I want you to know and what we look at in this room how beautiful would it be if our churches looked like this? If we put together something to worship, don't be afraid to come and worship with somebody who doesn't look like you. I'm talking to myself too. Because we need to come together, because if we don't come together here on this side of eternity, a lot of us are going to be shocked on that side of eternity. So we're going to do it right now. And I believe the world is doing a great amount of work. But we as the church have the hope, and we want to point to that hope, and it's Jesus. It's not in making noise. But it's in singing songs. It's in preaching His name, and it's doing the work of proclaiming Jesus Christ. All right, next. 
again, I thank y'all for being here. John and Leroy know I also grew up on the other side of the tracks, uh, but I still have a lot to learn, a whole lot to learn. And uh, I also appreciate the comments for these two folks over here, and I agree with uh, Reverend Rushing. We, we sat up here, we talked the talk, now we got to walk the walk. And so uh, let's do it. <laughs> I'm a pastor. That's the calling of my life. I'm not an engineer. I'm not a surgeon. And I'm not a baker. I'm a pastor. I don't believe the church is in bad shape. Uh, but let me say that the question was asked, what can we do? I, for one, from my perspective, I'm tired of going down to predominantly white churches to support the programs tired of bringing my members down to support the programs, trying to bring equality when there's no reciprocation. What I challenge my Caucasian brothers and sisters today, I just challenge you. Um, take a 30-day break, 60-day break from your church. Come on across the tracks. Spend four Sundays. Spend four Wednesday nights. Maybe spend two months fellowshipping with us. Getting the flavor and understanding us. It's too much of us coming across the tracks to our Caucasian brothers and sisters. Let's just admit that. I'm tired of going to your candlelight services and your Christmas programs and your Easter programs. And when we have ours, I don't see you. Take 30 days. Can I challenge you? Take 60 days. Come on, your church won't miss you that much. We're not asking for your money. We're asking for your presence. And, and get to understand us. Get to understand our culture. Get to understand who we are. And, and, and this is great. But by challenge us, I like the march and all that, but if you put in together the march, that's what you do. If you're working with those who have been incarcerated, that's what you do. We'll support you. I'm a pastor. That's what I do. We, we have hundreds every Sunday, every week. And trust me, I'm talking about, matter of fact, Sunday I'm preaching on uh, systemic racism. And, and I pray it's broadcast around. I've heard that pastors, we have to talk about racism, we have to talk about this, that. The reality is, no, we don't. I wish we would. I wish we would have the courage, but many pastors have told me that that's not why my members come to church. They don't come to hear that. Mm. Come on across the tracks. That's my challenge. And again, the question asks, what can we do? That's what I challenge us. 30 days, 60 days. Come on by. First Baptist Church, 16 East Street, Northeast. Amen. <laughs> well, uh, close out and say something. Uh, Reverend Lawson, I want to commend you what you just said because if you notice in the month of January, when we come to the Martin Luther King Center, we go to the Martin Luther King Parade, you know what we do? We ride in the parade, then they go inside the program. And you know what happens? I've noticed this the last two years. I ain't no brothers and sisters. Well, we rode in the parade. See you later. Don't even come inside. Only a handful. Shame on you. Go ahead, Pastor. Uh, just let me, I just want to say thank you again. I think it's a, I take it as an honor to be able to uh, participate. Uh, and I ditto uh, most of everyone here about the importance that it is for us to get together uh, as clergy uh, for the betterment of, of this community. I also agree. Uh, the young people who've spoken uh, 
and who express themselves. And I think that there has to be something done that can bridge the gap between clergy and community. Uh, I think we do need to be more visible. We need to, do, we need to show a more united front. And there's many ways to do that. In worship and activism, activism and all that. Uh, to start to begin breaking down uh, those things, those I call them strongholds. Those strongholds that the enemy has put up. Uh, the only only way we take those down is by the weapons that we've been given through through the Holy Spirit. But I'll just end with this. I just want to say thank you and uh, for allowing me. I've, I've learned. I've been able to express, but I've also learned. I've heard uh, so many things, even from the comments that were given today. But I just wanted to end with this. Because in Matthew 22, 37 and 39, Jesus says this unto them. He says, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all of your heart, and all of thy soul, and all of thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. And then the second one is like unto it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. If we can live by that, I think we'll begin to see some changes around here. Thank you so much, Pastor. Let's give our panel a hand one more time. Sister McGee um, wanted to say something. We want to close out with our prayer. Hello, my name is Velma McGee, and I just want to say a couple of things. Everything that the pastors have said is all well and good, but Ardmore is run mostly by whites. The businesses and everything. Why is it so hard when people get out of jail or they get out of prison? Nobody wants to give them a second chance. If they apply for a job and they have a felony, they ask, they say yes. No, yes. They don't get hired. If they lie on the application, yeah. they get hired and then they get fired. That makes no sense. We have nothing on the uh, northeast side. Nothing. Not a store, not nothing. I don't understand. Why is everything over here on this side? Nobody can get here. Not a store, no restaurants, no nothing. You have land down there on Main Street. What else is over there? Nothing. Renita was talking about no sidewalks or nothing. That's true. I was walking down A Street and I was walking close to the road, to the sidewalk. The cop came down the street. Damn near ran over me. <laughs> but he was a cop, so that was okay. But I tell you, I stuck my finger I don't understand. That's why people get out of prison, they get out of jail, they go back to the same old thing that they was doing before they went. Because nobody wants to help. And all the white folks got the job. Whether you admit it or not, it's a fact. And nobody wants to hire the blacks, but they hire the whites. They done been in jail, they done done things, and they get a job. And that's a true fact. They can put it out paper. Police is stopping you and asking you where you're going. Put it on TV, it's a fact. You got people on TV that actually trying to do things for the black people. Don't nobody want anybody in order to give them anything. They just want a little help. That's all. 
The pastor can do so much, but the ones that can really help is the white folks with the job. And that's a true statement. You take that to the bank. Thank you, gentlemen, for getting that. We close out, and I'm going to turn it over to Reverend Williams. I want to share this with you. We had that meeting the other day at the Senate. Everybody that signed up, we got your name, we got your phone number, and we got your email address. Committees will be organized. You will be getting a contact. There will be another meeting in July. Our speaker will be Greg Turner. He's coming home, and he's going to talk and talk about his experience and how he was able to make it to corporate America to the next level to be an executive. We're also reaching out to Judge David Lewis and bringing him back to Ardmore because he is a judge on the state of Oklahoma criminal courts, appeals. We also need to reach out to the governor and get him down here to this part of the country instead of coming during political time. But the most important thing we need to do is we need to support the ministers because they have the biggest audience. We have to do those things. And the last thing is, if you don't know, the city of Ardmore has their meetings on the first and third Monday. You need to know in advance so you can post. What the time of those meetings? Somebody, they put it on the Black Life Matters page. And there are a lot of businesses on there because somebody went in there and found at least 25 businesses in Ardmore that are ran by African Americans. They're out there. We just don't know who they are. We're out there. So we got to let them know. That's the bottom line. And last but not least, to Black Lives Matters, my job is to make sure that you get your flyer. I will make sure I take it to Robbie Short down at the Ardmore right and say, you need to post this in the paper and let the people know that they're going to have this next March. And let me tell you why we got to do it. Because when they come out with the results of Ahmaud Aubrey's case and they don't find him guilty, watch what happens. If they find out that George Floyd's police officers all walk, watch what happens. And then the young lady up in Kentucky, and now this young man in Atlanta. While we're speaking right now, Chris Cuomo is on CNN. Y'all know what he's talking about. And right after that, Don Lennon. That's the only two I watch. At least they're going to tell it right. I did record this tonight, and I will upload it on Spotify. And if you want to get the information, just send me a message on Facebook. I'm at Max, and I'll have this up by tomorrow for those people who said, I missed it. But I want to say to this panel right here, I salute you for your effort to be brave enough to stand before and say something. Because there's some people in your church, they sitting down in the pews like this and I don't care what they say. I'm still going to do what I need to. Nothing is going to change my mind. And you have to stand there before them and preach messages just like Jesus Christ did. So again, let's give them a hand one more time and I'm going to sit down. Before we close, Miss Carolyn Hilson Jones, will you come in here please? I can't take credit for this. This young lady right here, she called me. We met each other two years ago at Walmart in the auto care department. Just sparked up a conversation. She called me a month ago. She said, Leroy, what can we do to, to, to talk about racial injustice, social injustice? She the one came to me. She called me. 
I can't take that credit for this. The program that we had, she typed it up. The questions, we all sat down and talked about the questions. This woman right here, she has love. She showed her kindness and heart and compassion. She's tired of it. Me too. She's tired of the racial injustice. She's tired of racism. But I'm going to give the mic to her so she can have a closing statement. I just appreciate so many people being here, and this is just great. We just need to continue the discussion. We need to continue the work. We've got a lot to do, and we need to make the changes. And I, I thank our faith leaders because I really believe you are the ones that can lead us to the place that God intended Ardmore community to be. To our pastors, clergy members, next week, the 25th, a week from today, we need to get this done, this minister alliance. To all the, the the pastors out here in the, in the, in the out here in the audience, we need you all as well. It's just not us as a panel; it's all pastors. We need to get this done. And what my thing is, I want to ask any pastor out here who would like to spearhead this first meeting, host the first, the host first, host the first minister alliance. Well, I, my question is, yes, sir. Why don't we just meet here if possible? Okay. I, I, I just okay. I, I don't have a problem with meeting okay. in churches, mm -hmm. but but you know, some for us to understand our congregation. Yes, I want pastors to be protected. Yes. Okay, because you know you may volunteer to have us all come to your church, mm -hmm. and you may have membership in your church yes. that says, "Why did you do that?" It may not ever say it to you. Yes. But in order for us to do what we're supposed to do, yes. I truly feel like we ought to find some place that is 100% neutral, that where we can meet, where we'll be able to freely talk and yes. to just protect pastors. I mean, you know, as much as you want to say that, that your congregation is behind you and all that stuff, do not be fooled. That everybody in your church is 100% behind you. I'm not right. Yes, and so in order to protect you and your pulpit, yes, I think that we ought to be someplace neutral, mm -hmm. yes. someplace that is, that is, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm all yes. good with my church. We just have to use some common sense for that. And whether we could be here. We pray that you were blessed with the word, this message on this evening from the ministers that gathered for this town hall meeting. They will be getting together again real soon. And if you would like to uh, share this with your friends, be sure to do so. And we will keep you posted. More information to come. Keep
Now maybe someday I'll reach that higher goal I know I can make it With just a little bit of soul Cause I've got my strength And it don't make sense Not to keep on pushing Now look, 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 look yonder 